This is John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Wanted to say just a quick word to thank everyone who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. And remind you, you can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com, a digital subscription where you get all of our sports coverage. That's Kentucky basketball with Jerry Tipton, Kentucky football with Josh Moore. You get our my columns, Mark Story's columns. You get Kentucky recruiting, basketball recruiting with Ben Roberts. You get all of our high school coverage with Jared Peck. $30 for the first year for a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com. Please check that out. Go to Kentucky.com, hit the subscribe button, check out all of our offers. And once again, we thank everyone who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. And on today's podcast, we're going to review Kentucky football's 14-3 loss to the Georgia Bulldogs yesterday. Uh, the loss dropped Kentucky to 2-4 and four on the season. We're going to talk about Kentucky's season to this point and that game with my fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com, Mark Story. We're going to talk about where Kentucky sits going into the bye week and uh, what they need to do over the last four games of the regular season. We're also going to talk a little Dodgers. We're going to give Mark a chance to gloat a little bit about his Dodgers winning the World Series. But first, we're going to talk Kentucky football with Mark Story of the Herald leader and kentucky.com okay my guest on the podcast now is uh, my fellow colleague my colleague and fellow sports columnist mark story from the lexington Herald leader how you doing today mark i'm great john uh kentucky coming off that 14 to 3 loss uh yesterday to georgia uh makes them two and four uh going into their bye week then uh, they have just four games left of that after that in the regular season um Let's talk about the Georgia game first, uh, and then we'll kind of get into uh, where they are at this point and looking ahead uh, to the rest of the year. Um, defensive performance I thought was pretty good, but uh, once again, the offense was was a big problem. What, what did you make of yesterday? Yeah, I mean, Georgia was a bad matchup for a team, you yeah. know, breaking in a brand-new quarterback and a team that, you know, was coming off a really struggling offense, you know, offensive performance at Missouri. You know, I think Georgia, there's a case to be made that that's the most talented defense in the country. And You know, when you're, yeah. you know, it, it just, it was just not a good matchup. I thought Kentucky, you know, I know the kind of the book on them is that they're not creative. I actually think in some ways they are creative. They threw a lot of motions at Georgia trying to sort of confuse them, give them new looks. I think I mean I just think Kentucky is very limited in what it can do. I don't I mean I hate to be too critical in this very strange season, but I just don't think Kentucky's wide receivers are very talented and you know that that ultimately is on the coaches because it's their job to bring in talented players. But you know I was getting all this Twitter response, you know, you got to throw it deep. Well, <laughs> they couldn't block Georgia and they don't have anybody who can get open, right. so it's going to be hard to throw it deep. Right. Right. No, and yeah, on your first point, Georgia's very good defensively. If you look at the, uh, how they had done up to this point, they gave 10 points to Arkansas, six points to Auburn. They did give up 21 to Tennessee, but seven points of those came on a uh, – uh, Georgia fumble in the end zone that Tennessee recovered. Tennessee also scored on like a sudden change play when they stopped Georgia on downs, got the ball back, first play threw up a 
long 50-50 ball that the Tennessee receiver came down with. Obviously, they struggled against Alabama, but everybody's struggling against Alabama's uh, offense. So, uh, yeah, plus Georgia got, as you have written before, and it's absolutely true, uh, they got an extra week thanks to the COVID uh, schedule shuffle uh, to kind of stew on the fact that they had not, they'd given up 41 points to Alabama. So you knew that Georgia coming in here, if their defense was ready to say, hey, you know, we're still a really good defense and we're going to prove that. Uh, and about the offense being creative, yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with the – because we see a lot of times with the – first with Terry Wilson and then with Joey Gatewood on Saturday, they go back to pass and they seem hesitant, like they can't make up their mind what they want to do. Well, I think part of that's because they don't see guys open. They don't see any separation from their receivers. I think that has more to do with it than anything else. Yeah, I agree. In fact, that's what I wrote. I mean, when you're right. on your second quarterback and the coaches are complaining that you know they won't throw it downfield, you know maybe it's because there's nobody open downfield. Right. That right. seems to me to be the most logical uh, explanation for that. And the other thing is, uh, you know, the Big Blue Wall is a you know it's one of the best offensive lines Kentucky's ever had. It's really good, but it's much better at run blocking right. than pass blocking. And you put that combination of you know guys not getting open. And, you know, your line is not as good at pass blocking as it is at run blocking. That, that's a hard scenario to play quarterback in. Right. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, talking about the receivers, I wonder how much, uh, you know, Mark has been, Mark Stoop's staff has been pretty, pretty stable by the way staffs go. He's had some, you know, he's had some turnover. You're going to have turnover in your staff. But where he's really had turnover is a wide receiver, a wide receivers coach. Uh, I think he's on his fourth wide receivers coach, if I'm if I remember correctly. Uh, went through Lamar Thomas, lasted all of one year. I think one of the knocks on Thomas is that he didn't sign any receivers. Then he had Michael Smith, who was here. Was he here two years or just one? He was here too. Yeah, and now we have a new receiver, the guy from uh, Coach Bo, as they call him. He used to be at Oregon. I wonder how much of uh, that is affecting, uh, you know, the wide receiver position. Well, I think that is some of it. I think you have kind of a perfect storm of, you know, last with what happened last year and the, all the quarterbacks got hurt. They're playing a wide receiver, a quarterback, and running basically just became a read option team. Right. And you know, weren't throwing it. So, you know, the receivers, to their credit, you know, seemed to, you know, do what they needed to do and blocked and bought in and contributed. But, you know, they're not really, you know, you're not really developing a passing game. Right? you know, a, a passing attack and those skills aren't being developed. Then you change wide receivers coaches after the year. Then the pandemic hits, you have an aborted spring practice and an unusual fall practice. Right. It's it's just kind of a, a weird, weird, you know, dynamic for right. a team that really needed development at the wide receiver position. Right. No. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things Mark said. It, I think Mark was asked this in the preseason about, you know, balanced attack and how much, not only uh, to have a balanced attack, you know, uh, to make it harder for defenses to prepare for you, but also for recruiting. How can you recruit receivers when you're running, as you said, basically a read option offense, which I'm not knocking them for doing that last year. That was the best case scenario they came up with after both Terry Wilson and Sawyer Smith got hurt. So, uh, but yeah, you've got to be able to, I don't, you can't just run the ball all the time. You've got to be able to throw the ball some, uh, unless you've got Lynn Bowden and they don't have a Lynn Bowden. I mean, you've written on this, we've touched on this. I mean, they're just not getting explosive plays. I uh, looked it up t- today after yesterday's games. If you look back to last year, Kentucky was averaging over five plays a game where they had run plays of 20 or more yards. This year, that's down to three. Uh, last year, they averaged, I think, three 
plays of 30 yards or more per game. This year, they only have six through six games, you know, one per game. It's just hard to, especially against SEC defense, just drive it down the field without getting an explosive play. Yeah, you have to be perfect if you can't make explosive plays. And I thought the biggest question mark for Kentucky entering this season was did they have dynamic playmaking? Could they stress good defenses? And so far, the answer has been not only no, it's been <laughs> a much worse no than, than even I feared. And, and, and it's a big problem. I mean, they, right. you know, it's, it's interesting. The recruiting geeks say they have a good wide receiver class committed. It'll be fascinating to see if they can hold these guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Okay, switch over to the defense. I thought all things uh, – I mean, Georgia moved the ball, but uh, they only scored 14 points. I think it's the fewest they'd scored in the series since 1995. I heard a stat today, but I had forgot to look it up, whether that this was the fewest points Georgia scored in a game at least for three or four years. Um, you know, they got a couple of turnovers – uh, with interceptions, Phil Hoskins, Kelvin Joseph got another interception. How do you think the defense played? I thought the defense, you know, played well enough. I mean, I, they obviously kept Kentucky in the game. You know, I was a little disappointed that Georgia just came out and just ran it down their throat on yeah. the first drive. You know that I, you know, I thought that sort of set a negative tone. But you know, they, you know, they made turnovers. They forced Georgia into a field goal. You know that they blocked. You know, before halftime, you know, that Phil Hoskins play was an incredible play, but it was also, you know, you know Georgia had, has had problems with having passes batted down yeah. because its quarterback is five foot 11. So, you know, that I thought that showed, you know, good preparation. And then he just made a really athletic play. You know, I thought the defense played well enough. You know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say they played well enough to win the game because they didn't win the game, but right. they certainly, they certainly, you know, gave a credible performance against a good team. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Okay, we're 60% through the season. They are going into their bye week, so we're not at the halfway point. We're a little past the halfway point. They've got their two and four. They got four games left, Vanderbilt at home. Then they go to Alabama and Florida, and then uh, South Carolina finishes up uh, the regular season. Uh, wh- what do we know about this team, you think, at this point? And, and you you wrote about this uh, in your column. I mean, how can they, how can they save the season? depending on what your definition of saving the season is. Yeah, I think at this point, you know, my goal for the season was to have a winning record. I thought if they did that, they would, you know, they they would have done what they needed to do. You could, you know, go out and say, you know, five recruit off five straight winning seasons. You could have said, you know, you had a winning season against an all SEC schedule, which showed, you know, program maturation because Kentucky hadn't had many of those winning records in SEC play. But I, you know, mathematically that's still possible, but that doesn't look very realistic. You know, at this point they'd have to, you know, beat Vanderbilt at home, which they obviously should do, and then you'd have to beat South Carolina at home, which is no certainty, and no. that game does not set up very well for Kentucky because they first have to play before they play South Carolina in the season finale at home. They play road back-to-back road games at Alabama and at Florida. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know, Kentucky has played Florida very tough since Mark Stoops has been here and should have more than the one win they have had they not basically given two of those games away. But nevertheless, you know, those games have all been early in the season. And I also think Florida offensively is very explosive. And even if Kentucky's defense is good enough to slow them down a little bit, it's just hard to imagine Kentucky scoring enough to beat that team. So, you know, I guess to me, what I would regard success at this point would be to 
for the offense to look like it's figured some things out and, and take some steps forward and, and to beat, you know, Vandy in South Carolina and, and, and sort of end the season feeling like at least they figured some things out, you know, going into next year offensively. Yeah. How much, I mean, um, you're Mark Stoops and Eddie Grant. You're looking at your last four games. How much do you play to win as many games as you possibly can, or how much do you look at it as, okay, we're we're our chances of chances of getting a winning record are pretty much, you know, almost non-existent. But chances of getting five and five, that's going to be pretty tough as well. How much do you? Okay, we we got to give some of these young guys. Uh, we got to give them a look. We got to give them an experience. Maybe we got to look at Bo Allen. Maybe we got to put him in there and see what he can do. What if you're Mark Stoops? How do you balance that? Well, I think I would try to balance it. I don't think at Kentucky you can just punt and say we're not going to try to win games because there's just so much historic negativity around the program right. that if you just you know, I think you need to try to win as many as you can realistically win. Now, nevertheless, I do think you can, you know, run guys in there. If they're going to try Bo, they need to try him against Vanderbilt. Right. Because, you know, you, you get into Elliott, use like Tim Couch territory, <laughs> throwing a true freshman quarterback in, at, you know, at Alabama and right. in the swamp. Because, what, they, 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 they started Couch in the swamp against Florida Right. And then at LSU his freshman year. Right. Uh, just you know, but, And I don't think you want to do that. I do think that's an interesting question. If you accept that Bo Allen is the best natural passer in the program, and if you're trying to show these wide receivers that you have commitments from, that there is a chance if they come that you know they won't be stuck in this you know pedestrian run-oriented offense from a, from a wide receiver standpoint. Right. Um, you know, maybe you get him in there and let him pass against, you know, a defense that at least on paper he should be able to have some success or he may be able to have some success against. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting question. If it, if you didn't have Alabama and Florida there on those two games, yeah, I think you might see quite a bit of Bo Allen, but you don't want to throw him in a like you mentioned, like Tim Ketch, you don't want to throw him in a situation that's going to hurt his uh uh, hurt his progression, hurt his maturation, especially if you don't feel like, especially if you don't trust your receivers, if you don't think your receivers are good enough, you know, to get open and give him opportunities to throw the ball. Um, but, but on the other hand, you do have two weeks. You have two weeks to prepare. It was during this time last year, or at least during the bye last year, when they made the decision to go to Limbo because they had the two weeks to get the offense ready and get it prepared. So, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see. I would be surprised if they stick him out there. They might give him some series, but I'd be surprised if we come out of the bye week and going into the Vandy game, all of a sudden Bo Allen is the starter. But but who knows? Well, how did you think Joey Gatewood played yesterday? I thought he was okay. I yeah. didn't think he was. You know, I, I didn't think he was horrible. I thought he was representative. I didn't think he he didn't do anything that made me think, okay, this guy's for certain the answer but you know one game is i'm not going to form any lasting opinion on any player off one game right so the direct answer to the question is i thought he was okay yeah <laughs> same and it's hard to uh, yeah it's hard to make a uh a real value judgment on a guy starting his first college game in an offense that's had its problems against a really good defense too uh we need more of a sample size from uh from joey gaywood i didn't think i do think and mark's 
hit on this, Stoops hit on this last week. I don't think he has that initial burst of speed like Terry Wilson has. He's a big, strong kid, but I thought there were a few run, two, at least two or three runs there yesterday where if it was Wilson running the ball, he would have gotten more yardage out of it than Joey ended up getting. Although I think Joey might be stronger. He might be able to pull off a, you know, if you need four or five yards, he might be able to get that for you running the football on his own read. Um, we'll see. Um, uh, one thing, and I kind of wrote about this for tomorrow. I mean, obviously, this has been a weird season, uh, coronavirus pandemic, 10-game, all-SEC season. But everybody knew, we all knew, like you said, I mean, uh, when you're playing a 10-game season, again, no no non-conference games, you know, no uh, FCS teams. It was, you know, having a winning record would be a good accomplishment because it's going to be a tough season. But how much has that how much have we learned about where Kentucky is right now as far as how they fit into the conference, where they stand for the conference? Because I think going into the season, at least in my mind, you it was Kentucky was improving. They'd gotten better. They had built the roster where they had some depth. They should be competitive against teams that they are traditionally not competitive against. You know, they might even be on the verge of making that next step where they could really be a serious contender for the division championship. And now we sit here at two and four, and they haven't even gotten to Alabama and Florida. How much has this been kind of a reality check for this program? Well, I don't know. It, I think it's been a step back. I don't I don't know if I want to say reality check because I do feel like, you know, they've made positive. You know, I think they have historically been a bottom tiered program, and I feel like they've sort of climbed into the middle. Yeah. But, you know, I think the most to me, the most disappointing thing about this season, you know, other than, you know, the, the offensive struggles or along with the offensive struggles, you know, they lost to Mississippi with a first year coach. They lost to Missouri with a first year coach. Right. Those are just bad, bad losses. If you're a program that, you know, you, you came into the season feeling like you'd made progress. I mean, those are games against you know teams that have struggled in recent years that a, a, a progressing program needed to win. Yeah. No, I think I think you're exactly right. They win those two games are four and two right now with losses to Auburn and Georgia, which are nothing to be, you know, embarrassed about. And with Alabama and Florida ahead, you you know, you think, okay, well they they've got a really good chance of being six and four and getting that, as you said, that winning record. To me the old miss game I mean, the Missouri game was bad enough. I mean, you can't – they laid an egg, and then in this type of season, you cannot lay an egg. And you should be – in Mark Stoops, in the development of this program, you shouldn't be at that point. But the Ole Miss game, uh, losing that game at home, I think was a real was a real killer and one that they're going to continue to look back on and kick themselves over. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And, you know, the, the, the thing that is just, you know – just kills them. I mean, they've they've lost to Ole Miss twice at home yeah. in in the last three years, and and no disrespect to Ole Miss, which you know can be a good football program, but if you're Kentucky and you're on the rise, you've got to beat that team right. at home, right. and they failed to do it twice now. Right. No. No. No doubt about. It. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, anything else about this team as we sit uh, at two and four going into the bye week? A couple of things. I think it's interesting that as since. The aftermath of the 2018 season, when uh, Tennessee hired Jim Chaney away from Georgia as offensive coordinator, and and Georgia reportedly offered the job to Eddie Grand, and he turned them down to stay at Kentucky. Kentucky has not scored a touchdown against Georgia <laughs> since since that decision was made. Are you saying Georgia maybe had some extra incentive, or <laughs> I, I just th- I just think that's an interesting an interesting point. 
Okay. No, yeah, it is. It is. They haven't scored a haven't scored a touchdown against them. Of course, they had the rain soak game last year, but uh, it was bright sunshine yesterday. That the weather wasn't excuse wasn't an excuse. Uh, the other thing. The other. Oh thing yeah, you had two points. Is, Go ahead. The other thing that I think is interesting, you know, other than Josh Ali, to me, the only receiver that has shown any consistent promise, or I thought showed some promise of actually being a playmaker, was Akeem Hayes. Mm-hmm. And then they got mad at him apparently because of some things he tweeted, and he's just disappeared from the face of the earth. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no more key names. Yeah, the guy that the, the one that I wonder to about is Cleavon Thomas. He was coming on at the end of last year. He seemed to have a special connection with uh, with Lynn with Bowden, who didn't throw the ball a lot. But when he did throw it, it was either to Josh Ali or 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 Thomas, and he's just completely disappeared this year. So mm-hmm. I don't know the answer. We need to ask Mark about that. Uh, don't know the answer to that. But they have that. That's been definite failure. They have not been able to develop a number two wide receiver behind Josh Ali. It's pretty much Josh or bust at this point no you're right about clavon and he and lynn did seem to have a connection and and he's just i mean he he's he's with uh he's with akeem now in witness protection apparently <laughs> yeah, he's he's disappeared they moved michael drennan up on the uh depth chart and i think they threw it to him once yesterday i think uh if I, i'd have to go back and look but uh we didn't see a whole lot out of him but i know he's a guy that they like and i know you know, uh, I would think that he would be a guy over the last four games you'd want to see more of to see what you have going into next year. We'll see. And Keaton Upshaw, I think he had another drop yesterday. He's a big, strong, tall kid. He looks like he should be a really good receiver. But at this point, he, he just drops too many balls at this point. Yeah, they've had dro- they've had some costly drops at the tight end position. You know, for all the clamor about using the tight end more, which I basically agree with. But if they're just going to drop it, there's <laughs> – right. Yes, and somebody asked me yesterday, do you think uh, do you think Eddie Grant's going to get fired? Well, the, the question was, do you think he'll get fired in the what do you think the chances are he'll get fired in the next two weeks? I think there's absolutely zero chance of that. I don't think he's going to get fired. I think Mark trusts him, likes him. Uh, I, I'm I'm a big stat guy too, but I don't think uh, looking at the stats with Eddie tells the whole story because Mark wants to play complimentary football. He wants a ball control offense to go along with a good defense, and I think Eddie gives him that. Uh, I mean, what do you think about Eddie's job status? I'd be surprised if there was I, – I, if Eddie wants to be here next year, I think he probably will be, partly for the reasons you said. You know, the thing that fascinates me about, you know, Eddie Grant is you look at the offense they were running at Cincinnati, yeah. their passing stats were through the roof. Right. So, you know, I think, you know, I think the fact that that's not the offense that they've run here for the most part, I think that's attributable to Mark Stoops. I think Mark – you know, wants a, an offense, a physical, you know, offense. And I think he'd like to be more balanced than they are. But, you know, I, I don't – I think a lot of the criticism directed at Grand probably, you know, if you're that unhappy with a run-first offense, you know, that, that's probably a Mark Stoops dictate more than an Eddie Grand dictate. Yeah. You know, you know, I do think, assuming, you know, everybody comes back, that you know, they need to take, they're going to have to take a hard look at this passing game, unless they just right. want to commit to being what they were last year and find an option quarterback and just, you know, as good, you know, as explosive as Lynn Bowden and, and try to be that, unless they're going to do that, which I don't think that's what they want to do. They've, they've got to redesign this passing game. I mean, they've got to start conceptually and look at their routes and everything they're doing because it's, it's just not working. 
No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, there, I don't, no doubt about that. And I think uh, Mark and Eddie would both uh, both say say to that, agree to that. Uh, well, Mark, I can't let you go without uh, giving you a chance to talk about your Dodgers, uh, who've who got it done. Uh, and uh, uh, how how good did it feel for you, Dodger fans? You and Lonnie Demery for uh, after coming so close the last few years and finally uh, getting over the hump. Well, I'll describe my level of euphoria this way. <laughs> So far, I've only watched the ninth inning of the sixth game on YouTube three times today, which is the fewest times <laughs> all week. So, okay, well, that's good. That's good. You, yeah, you're going to have to wean yourself off of it eventually, I think. But, uh, but you don't have to do it too much. What did you think of the Justin Turner controversy? Well, I thought it was a mistake in judgment. I understand, you know, kind of why it happened the way it did. I mean, Justin Turner is the leader of that team. I think the other players were upset that he wasn't out there with them as they celebrated. Um, You know, I think he's going to, he'll be 36 years old before the next season starts. He grew up in Southern California. I mean, to win the world series after, you know, all those near misses and, you know, he's the leader of the team and, you know, not to be out there to celebrate. I get it. I think if, and I don't even necessarily blame him for coming back out. I think they could have done it a little more discreetly and waited a little later till there were fewer people out there. Um, You know, I think it was a a mistaken judgment, but, you know, I do understand kind of the impulse that led to it happening. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think you made a pretty good case there, Counselor, if you were on, on his behalf. So, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. It was, it was really unfortunate the way the whole thing unfolded. Uh, you know, I guess that's just the way of the test that they find out during the game. But uh, anyway, it was that, the that, thing that, that part the was thing unfortunate. The thing that's really interesting had, you know, had – they left Blake Snell in and he finished off a one to nothing shutout forcing a game seven Were they, could they have played? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Good question. I mean, how much of the contact tracing and exposing the others? Yeah, I know. It's a very good question. I know. I know. Yeah. And on the Kevin cash thing, I thought, you know, obviously I was surprised, you know, he took him out. Obviously Snell was rolling, but I'm not sure that I buy that it was going to end up being a one to nothing game. So I mean, I mean the the race had to score. I still think the race probably had to score more than one run to win that game. But, yeah, there's 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 obviously no way to know. But I I will say this, and I'm speaking as a fan here, not as a, you know, any kind of objective analyst. But I <laughs> did a little jig when I saw that uh, when I saw Kevin Cash raise his hand to the bullpen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh I know. Well, didn't the Dodgers say that they felt like you know they gave them second life, uh, that that pumped them up? So because they had had such a hard time. Hard time with Snell, but uh, anyway. Okay, well, Mark, uh, have a good bye week. Uh, we won't be doing the podcast next week, but we'll be back after the Vanderbilt game. And uh, enjoy your bye week. Thanks, John. You do the same. <laughs> thanks for being on the podcast. Be sure and follow Mark at Mark C. Story. And thanks again, Mark. See you, John. Okay, that'll do it for this podcast. Thanks again to Mark Story. Uh, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out all of his columns on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. You can check out this podcast, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Tuned In, and 
iHeartRadio podcast. Give us a rating and review on those uh, sites, especially on the Apple Podcast sites. That really helps. I want to thank everybody who's given us a review up to that point. We really appreciate it. Helps get the word out. As I mentioned earlier, we have a sports-only pass at the uh, subscription pass at the Herald Leader for $30 for the first year. Check out that uh, offer as well by going to Kentucky.com and hitting on the subscribe button. Once again, thanks again for listening to the podcast. We'll be talking to you again soon.